Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I definitely don't discount just seeing that growing up because I know it had um, a, an effect on me. So I know because mm-hmm. other people were like, "Oh, you're buying a house. Oh, okay." Like, like they would pause, like, "Oh, I would have thought of that." And for me, it just, right. it just like, I, of course, I have to buy a house. You know, like it yeah. didn't even cross my mind. But I will say, yeah, at that time when I was buying that primary home, I had no idea of house hacking or real estate investing. I just knew I needed to own a home. Welcome to Legacy Builder, the podcast where millennial moms and women like you come to learn how to monetize your gifts and create generational wealth. I'm your host, Lori Richardson. I'm a serial entrepreneur, a wife, and a mother. So are you ready to make the changes to create the life that you want to live? All right, then let's go. Today in the guest chair, we have Dr. Daya Cooper. She is a resident of Baltimore, Maryland, a physician and an adult educator by training. She spent over a decade working as an emergency medicine physician and teaching adult learners medicine specifically through clinical simulation. She's an active real estate investor and landlord. Sharing the benefits of real estate ownership and investing is her passion area, with an emphasis on empowering black women in this arena through mentorship and coaching. She is the founder of the Sister Docs in REI, a private Facebook community of over 600 black female physician, dentist, and pharmacist real estate investors. She is the owner of Capital Dynasty, a real estate investing and education business and overall wealth building brand. Dr. Daia's real estate focus areas include creative landlording, creative financing, particularly seller financing and subject to, short midterm rentals, and long-term buy and hold investing of real estate. Before we get into this amazing episode with Dr. Daia, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Before we get into today's episode, I wanna share with you one of my favorite platforms that I've been using to build my legacy. It's called GroundFloor. Now with GroundFloor, you can invest in high yield, short-term real estate loans and start building your wealth today. You can start with as little as $10 and be a part of the real estate market without the hassle of buying and managing property. And the best part about it, you can pass on your investments to your loved ones and help them build their future. Go ahead and give GroundFloor a try today and be sure to use our affiliate link in the description to get a $10 signup bonus that you can use towards your first investment. Plus, by using our link, you'll be supporting our podcast while also getting access to a fantastic real estate platform. As always, with any investment, please make sure to contact a financial advisor before investing and to carefully consider the risks involved. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Legacy Builder podcast. I am your host, Lori Richardson, and I am super, when I say super excited today, um, we are interviewing another beautiful Black sister who is in the real estate space, and she is kicking butt, taking names, and also bringing along other sisters with her. So I'm super excited to introduce uh, Dr. Daya Cooper, or as she says, just call her Daya. So Daya, if you could please introduce yourself and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lori, um, for having me. I'm super excited to be chatting with you, and I love what you're doing, and I love your platform. Um, so just wanted to say that Thank first you. and foremost. But yes, I oh, am Daia Cooper, and I am a physician. Um, I am an adult uh, educator by education and training. 
I'm a Baltimore, Maryland resident, um, but my background is I was born a Jersey girl um, in North Jersey, and I was raised in the South, um, so I still consider myself a Georgia peach. Um, Jersey girl turned Georgia peach, Um, (laughs) because I was raised in Georgia, Um, but I am a a physician, an emergency medicine physician by... um, by training i also train in internal medicine but uh, i worked in academic emergency medicine for many years um since i graduated from med school back in 2010 so over a decade spent working in um emergency rooms um, taking care of patients but um it was just actually recently this year just about two months ago that i decided to go ahead and leave clinical medicine um, after I had set, set up some things for myself, um, it's something that I had planned on doing um, a few years back. And I told myself, I, you know, that I, it would be later in life. But as the years passed, I was like, OK, we're going to have to make this a little bit sooner um, mm-hmm. so I could explore other passions, which include um, teaching other Black women how to be real estate investors, particularly um, empowering them and educating them on non-traditional and creative strategies when it comes to real estate investing. So that's my Mm -hmm. particular passion and um, niche area. Um, So I, uh, in addition to training in emergency medicine, I uh, trained in um, uh, medical education, a specific type of um, adult uh, learning a strategy called simulation. So I, I have specific education with working with adult learners. It was just the modality of education um, that I focused on was clinical simulation, which we're working in a sim lab and teaching people using simulators as opposed to you know them doing a procedure on someone's body for the first time, like in an actual ER. Um, yeah. So, but but in addition to that, you know, the foundation for that was like adult learning theory. So I think that kind of sets me apart when it comes to like uh, the consulting and the mentoring that I do for Black women now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. You have an extensive background and thank you so much. I actually did a little bit of digging and saw that you, yes. of course, are an alum of Howard University. Yes, yes. Okay. University College of Medicine. Yes, 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 yes. I went to a PWI for undergrad. So when it okay. came time to apply for medical school, I literally mm-hmm. only applied to three schools and they were all black schools. I just wanted to get that right. experience and it, you know, it was life changing for me. So shout yes. out to all my HUCM alum um, who may watch okay. or listen to this. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it, especially the part you, that you said about how we all need to have that experience with an HBCU. Um, I have an experience as well. My undergrad was at Tennessee yeah. State University. Yes. So, <laughs> so the Tennessee State University. So yes. I'm excited. <laughs> I always get excited when I talk to others who, um, you know, have attended HBCUs because you just have that that thing that you know, when you know, you yeah. know, and you can look at yeah. each other, and you, you know. The connection. The connection. <laughs> yes, yeah. The connection. <laughs> Yeah. So mm-hmm. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. So can we kind of talk a little bit about what intrigued you? You, you touched, touched on it a little bit, but what really intrigued you um, with real estate? Where where did you begin? 
Yeah, so it started with me. I bought my first property back in um, 2011. And um, although I always like share with people or like now in this part of my life, I share with people, I used to be a little bit shy in the past um, to talk about it. But I do share now because I think it resonates with people that I didn't grow up in a nuclear family. I was actually Mm -hmm. raised by my great grandmother. um, And I had so many amazing family members, especially my aunts who were also a support system for me um, as I was being raised, um, especially after my um, mom passed away. But my my dad passed away before I was even out of the womb. And um, my mom would take care of me, but she did struggle with substance abuse Mm -hmm. um, throughout my younger years and then ultimately passed away um, once when I was an adult. But my my great-grandmother raised me. My aunts um, were there as a support system. And we almost kind of, in, in some ways, they gave me a lot of support and education, but in some ways we grew up together as far as um, like home ownership. They always, you know, like even like uh, what people do mobile homes and stuff now, it's mm-hmm. becoming more like common as an investment thing. But growing up in the small town in Georgia where I grew up, it was common for people that to be their primary home. And mm-hmm. it's still like that in many places. Um, and so they always owned those. And then as I was leaving high school, going to college, you know, going into my adult years, I watched them, you know, even from afar, I watched them like, uh, you know, buy more property and um, build homes from the ground up um, for their primary mm-hmm. home. So I always knew that I would be buying a home because I just saw my aunts do it. I saw my great grandmother who raised me um, have her own home and be the owner. Um, and she was a go-getter as well. She, mm-hmm. um, you know, for her time period, like she, she, we grew up on a, um, a road that was not even paved um, even, you know, in the eighties and nineties when I was a kid, I'm telling my age now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, she she was known, you know, to be a go getter. She actually, you know, make sure that her home had the like, you know, indoor plumbing was the first home to have indoor plumbing on that block. Um, and, you know, and, you know, this was actually prior, obviously prior to me being alive. But, you know, mm-hmm. just goes to show like her personality. Um and she she owned her home um, and her husband died at a young age and she had a couple homes and she had land wow. um, and land was always something that I knew from a young age that we had in our family and that mm-hmm. um, we would pass down or have been passed down to us from family members. And ultimately, once my great grandmother passed away, um, her land was passed down to me as well. So um, although my family members didn't know a lot about like business and entrepreneurship when I was young, like they're entrepreneurs now, but mm-hmm. um, when I was young, I always knew about home ownership and land ownership. It was always something that was in the forefront of my mind. So when it came time for me to, you know, be an adult, finish college now I'm in, um, you know, I'm a physician now, although I'm an intern, still don't make a lot of money. I just knew that I needed to buy a house because I was going into a training program, my residency that was five years long and I just could not see myself renting for five years. So that's mm. when I pulled the trigger to buy a home. Wow. Wow. That, your story. I just need to let that sink in for a second. <laughs> wow. And I'm, it sounds like um, when you said that this was something that you didn't talk about, but now you're talking about it more. It sounds like something that you've, you've healed from and that you've yeah. kind of turned that, you know, that uh, trial into triumph with what you're doing yeah. now. Yeah. And yeah, your yeah. great grandmother, like she, I just, she was commendable, just commendable for the fact that all that she did was of course, taking you in. And then of course, you know, showing you physically showing you how to build a legacy. 
Mm -hmm. that she did. we don't hear about that or we don't we don't even see that a lot now of days you mm -hmm. know even in 2023 mm -hmm. so you know back mm -hmm. then in the 80s and 90s for her to even do that she mm -hmm. i don't even did she even know what she was doing as far as you know the things that she was instilling did she know that do you think no she i think i think you know i think she just had that personality where she couldn't help but lead by example i don't even think mm -hmm. she was doing it on purpose but she just had a mm -hmm. commanding personality and was a very strong go-getter i think that probably came from her husband um dying wow. at a young age mm -hmm. um but yeah she helped to she raised all of her children and she um raised my mom which is her grandchild and she helped to raise me like it was just so many generations she was just a very strong woman and this is a woman like mm -hmm. from formal education didn't really go to high school, um, she would tell me, um, you know, that when she was younger, that she would clean houses. And then she, you know, mm -hmm. she made her way up to, you know, working as a nursing assistant, like a tech um, to assist nurses. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, just being able to have that go-getterness about her to be able to do that, um, you know, knowing that her past, like her formal education did not even, you know, go past you know late middle school to high school um mm -hmm. but for her to be able to you know learn what she needed to learn and you know and meet the proper people so that she could you know work as a nursing assistant and then even in her retirement age she worked so she was just always busy always a go-getter and always mm -hmm. really instilled ownership um and I'm, again like you said I, I don't you know with her i don't think she necessarily was like making it obvious and very discreet like this is what you need she just was so commanding that it, it, you know she couldn't help but lead by example wow that is that's amazing that is amazing so let me actually ask you this as well because you knew that you wanted to of course purchase your first home and you did purchase your first home how did you you know being a college student like you said and not having money how did you actually get the process started did you actually yeah. go to family for help yeah, or I, you know did you just go and figure it out on your own yeah, very good question. And I definitely didn't have any money, but I actually wasn't a college student anymore. I actually had um, just finished uh, medical school and was just starting okay. my residency at that time. Okay. Um, okay. But I definitely didn't have any money. I definitely had, <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> I had student loan debt. And then if anybody mm -hmm. um, doesn't know the details about like how residency works, like you're a physician, you're a doctor, you have an MD behind your name or DO or MBBS, whatever that degree is behind your name, um, you're a medical doctor, but um, you actually mm -hmm. don't make what um, the general population knows as a medical doctor salary when you're in your, your training. As a, uh, you make probably like, a fifth mm -hmm. of what um, some medical doctors or maybe less than that, depending on the type of physician. So when you're in training, um, so I didn't have much money. Right. And again, with me, I've always been a person who I didn't, I don't never like to ask for a lot of help. So no, I didn't reach out to my family and get any help. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know how and again it maybe it's just you know back to that uh upbringing from my grandmother i always just knew how to kind of make something shake for lack of a better term um work <laughs> things out <laughs> work things out and figure it out right um so mm -hmm. i do nothing about buying home i knew that my family members own homes but i never watched them actually go through the process it was just in the forefront of my mind that i should be an owner but i didn't know anything about the process so i studied home buying like i studied for school you know in the previous wow. years going from college and and going to um 
uh, med school and just starting residency, I, you know, I, I knew how to study. So I got books and I, you know, network and reach out to people and like ask, like, how is the home buying process? What do you do? Um, I did the same thing later when I bought my first car. I went on Consumer Reports and just like learned everything of like, what's the best way to buy a car? Like, I, I, mm -hmm. I know how to study. So um, I saw that um, there were a, a lot of different doctor's loans where you put 0% down. Um, you didn't have to put any money down at all and you could buy a property. And then I looked at the fine print. Yeah, I was going to be you ever... my face. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Sis, <laughs> like, oh, they you know you're going to the... be a doctor. Right. <laughs> have you ever looked at the fine print though? And then, you, you know, your, your smile turned to a frown. Have you ever been in that mm -hmm. position? Like I literally was looking at, you know, the different, you know, they send you flyers at different, you know, lending options lenders do. And they tell you mm -hmm. the criteria. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, I have, you know, a contract that I can show you. Yeah, have MD mm -hmm. my, behind my name. Yeah, I have income that's going to be coming in or has been coming in because I waited to the end of my first year. But then it got to the credit score. And I'm going to keep it real with you guys. Lori, I, my credit was, was, was not great at that time. It was okay. It wasn't actually bad. Yeah. So it wasn't like in the 500s, yeah. but it was probably in the low 600s. And so Which for- Which is still a lot better than what I- <laughs> right. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't great. Uh -huh. um, so I did not meet the criteria actually to get a doctor's loan. But again, being a mover and a shaker, I, I know how to make something shake. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I never give up like, oh, you know, okay, I won't qualify for that. But what do I qualify for? So I did my research. I did my Googles back then. There was not um, a lot of like, you know, Instagram and, you know, Facebook and YouTube the way it is now. Um, right. But I, you know, called around, um, talked to people, networked and Googled. And I realized there was a similar loan product that allowed me to put 0% down. And it was based off of if you were buying outside of the city limit. So it's more like a, almost like a rural loan. Um, I still want to be putting 0% down. And so the um, credit criteria or the, um, yeah, the, the, the credit criteria was lower. So mm -hmm. I actually was able to qualify with that low 600s credit score that I had. And do you okay. know, Lori, if 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 your if your listeners have walked away or if they pause for the cause, I want y'all to come back mm -hmm. and listen. I purchased okay. that property for five hundred dollars, a three bedroom, two bath, two car garage property with five hundred dollars. And get this, I wow, it, you know it had a it had appliances and it actually was a new build. It's been uh -huh. sitting on the market for about a year. It was a new build, but it maybe it was wow. a little bit higher than what a lot of people in that area wanted to buy to pay for um so no one had ever lived in it but um it was built a probably a little less than a year prior um wow. and still hadn't sold so we were able to talk them down a little bit and on top of that there, uh -huh. there were mostly most of the appliances were in there but there was no fridge again i had no money <laughs> okay. so i'm like oh so now i have to spend hundreds of dollars on the fridge and um my realtor was like hey you know you can ask for whatever you want. The worst thing anybody can say is no. Yeah. And so we asked them and we wrote it into the contract and they added mm -hmm. the fridge fridge on <laughs> to the purchase and sell agreement <laughs> that was added in there before we closed. And all I paid was $500 in earnest money. And that was my wow. first property that I later turned into a rental property, my first rental property. Oh my gosh. They, okay. Seller paid closing costs. I'm there was no down payment because of the loan program. All I paid was earnest. Oh money. my goodness. What? 
And I think I bought a, a wow. wash and dryer used off of Craigslist. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm stuck on the $500. So, so was it a grant program? What kind of program? Do they still have the program today? Like, <laughs> You know, this was in North Carolina. I don't know. So okay. I'm not sure if they still have it. I don't live in that state anymore. So I don't know. Okay. This okay. was in 2011. Okay. But yeah, it was specifically wow. for if you were buying outside the city limits. And keep in mind, this was, you know, a small town. Um, uh-huh. So even if you were outside the city limits, you were still pretty close to the hospital, which is what my focus was trying to be close to the hospital. And this yeah. was a, you know, a, 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 like a starter home type community, three bedrooms, two mm-hmm. baths. I had a pool in the community. Um, I had a two car garage and yeah, $500. I kid you not. Oh my goodness. Money. So you said That's you still have that property. Money. So I you recently still have that sold it. Today. Okay. No, I okay. recently sold it because that was the only property at, at this time when I sold it that I had out of state. Mm-hmm. Now um, I keep all my properties here um, in Baltimore, except for some of the land that I have in Georgia. Yeah. Right. Okay. But okay, yeah, so- I had that property for many years. It became once I moved out of it and went and left that um, area to go to my fellowship program, I moved to mm-hmm. a different state and it was not a seller's market at that time. And I don't take any losses. Mm. So I guess I was, I was like, well, I'm not going to go to the closing table and bring you any money. Um, I have more money now, but I'm not going to go to the closing table and bring any money. So right. I'm not taking a loss. So I guess I will be renting it. And that's how that was the beginning of me being an accidental landlord. Um, years later, once I finished, well, not years, a year later, once I finished my fellowship mm. program, I decided that I was going to be a landlord on purpose and start buying more rental properties. But that first one where I turned my, um, my primary home into a rental property, that was like an accidental thing. It was just because I didn't want to take a loss. Wow. So, and that was another question I was going to ask you with that property. Um, you were there, you're single, uh, you know, interning uh, in getting into, of course, your career. Did you have roommates? Did you house hack or you? No, just, no, like, I didn't know anything about house hacking back then. I didn't know anything about investing. Uh-huh. I just knew that you're supposed to buy your house because I saw my family do it. Um, mm-hmm. The women in my family do it, you know, and mm-hmm. I also knew that um, my program, since I'm a glutton for punishment, I um, got into <laughs> applied for and got into a dual residency program. So I'm um trained in emergency medicine and internal medicine. Um, So it was longer than a traditional residency. So to me, it just Mm -hmm. seemed really wrong for me to rent for five full years. Um, Most residencies are three, so I would have considered it. Um, But because I was going to be there for five, to me, I was like, I have to buy something so I can, um, Mm -hmm. you know, not just be kind of, I don't want to say throwing money away, um, but, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I I get it. And again, it just... Being a, a college student um, in that mental capacity, having that, like I said before, that um, that role model in your, you know, your great grandmother and also the other women in your family being role models to see that this is what you need to do. Even that itself is worth gold because, yeah, again, being college students were, were you know, and I would tell my age, <laughs> but I graduated, you know, from undergrad in 06. And after that, it was kind of like my parents were like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, are you going to um, get a job? Are you going to go back to school? You know, so it wasn't talks of, hey, it's time for you to buy a property. Hey, it's time for you to invest. So um, again, back then, not like it is now, now it's a different story, but back right. then it, that wasn't the the norm. That wasn't right. something that we just right. did, you know? And so right. even you being way ahead of the game and having that, um, I guess you can say a leg up um, in that yeah. to see, you know, see that. I think that's, that's, that's amazing. 
that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I definitely don't discount just seeing that growing up because I know it had um, a, an effect on me. So I know, because mm-hmm. other people were like, oh, you're buying a house. Oh, okay. Like, like they would pause like, oh, I would have thought of that. And for me, it just, right. it just like, I, of course I have to buy a house, you know, like it yeah. didn't even cross my mind. But I will say, yeah, at that time when I was buying that primary home, I had no idea of house hacking or real estate investing. I just knew I needed to own a home. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So let's fast forward a little bit. So after that one, your first one, can you talk about, you know, what your next steps were or what your not next steps were, but what were your next moves after that? Yeah. Um, so what happened was, yeah. So what happened was, um, I was, uh, again, leaving that home and that city, um, cause I finished residency. So I bought that home, lived in it for the rest of that, um, residency program. So it was a little over four, like four years that I lived there and, um, it was time for me to leave was a buyer's market, not a seller's market said, okay, I guess I'm keeping it. I guess I'm a landlord mm-hmm. <laughs> and rented it out. Um, and then, it was just a very smooth process. I was just very blessed that I had um, friends that were like family. I feel like family to me um, mm-hmm. that uh, managed the property for me for free. Put wow. that on record. They did that for free. So I was just <laughs> very blessed. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was just like, it let me know that, you know, being a landlord is not the worst. Although I do have the spirit of control all over me. So I did drive down there a little bit and go and check on things. Um, but I still was very blessed mm-hmm. that they um, managed it for me for free. But uh, once I finished my fellowship program that I just moved to, I moved to New York City. It was only a year program. Um, and subsequently, once I left there, I moved here um, for my big girl job to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And once I moved here, it sounds so petty, but I have to tell the story uh, because this is my okay. truth. I um, was working for like a state run institution. So because of that state kind of financial backing, I had to fill out a, a timesheet. And so, you know, um, and no smoke for anybody who works jobs where they fill out a timesheet. It's just not something you expect for physicians to have to do. And so mm-hmm. I was like 30 years straight from kindergarten you know to now um almost 30 years over 20 years straight of schooling 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 you know elementary school middle school high school you know college med school residency fellowship and finally here my big girl job and y'all telling me i have to like account for my time like what (laughs) and so can you imagine that when, you know, just like sitting there reading like, you know, these guidelines and what you have to do as an, an employee and you're like, I like the upper echelon of um, the types of jobs that you can have, you know, what, you know, I guess um, the general population considers the upper echelon of jobs. And so mm-hmm. as I reviewed that, I was like, you know what, this is crazy. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. I am an employee. Yeah. I'm a high income employee, but I'm an employee. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. else is running this. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And at, right then and there, I was like, okay, I need to figure out ways to bring in other income where I don't have to have people telling me to do stuff like this. And so that was the beginning of me saying, okay, I need to figure out other streams of income, um, asset building. And so, I, you know, I own a little bit of stocks and crypto and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. as I was kind of venturing at that time, when I first moved to Baltimore, I said to myself, okay, real estate seems like the asset that I'm going to focus on because it just was tangible to, tangible to me. I understood mm-hmm. it. And so I focused then 
on um, seeking out information about real estate investing and ultimately um, found some great mentors um, that helped me, you know, that I invested in who helped me mm -hmm. learn how to invest in general, but especially specifically in Baltimore. Um, and then, you know, once I finished their 10 week program, I kind of just, you know, just kept that momentum going and just started going hard, especially once um, later on, once the pandemic hit, I went even harder. Right, right. Now, we shared off camera that I previously was in that area as well. So um, mm -hmm. when I was there, it was pretty much, um, I guess they had a program in um, in the Baltimore area where it was the kind of like Detroit with the dollar homes where they were trying to actually mm. bring more investors back mm -hmm. into the area. And, you know, um, of course, revive some of the, the city because mm -hmm. the city, a lot of the, the part, different parts of the city, especially like around the convention center and, you know, mm -hmm. the aquarium, they were really mm -hmm. run down. And you would think that, yeah, you know, yeah. with it being Baltimore, you know, so close to DC and all the great right. things that have gone on in that city over the years, it wouldn't be like yeah. that. So were you abreast of that program? Did did you take, advantage, me, take yeah. advantage of that program so, or how did you get started with, you know, getting that ball rolling after your mentorship? Yeah. So um, it definitely is, was something that I was aware of um, because mm -hmm. one thing that I learned um, and kudos to my mentor for kind of instilling that in me. And I'm just nosy mm -hmm. in general is like staying abreast of what's <laughs> going on around right. you when it comes to real estate development, financing opportunities, things like that. So I definitely was very aware of it. And actually a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, it's confusing because a lot of people thought that they brought it back, but they didn't. They actually were just talking about bringing it back. So they actually never brought it okay. back. Um, okay. So no, that was not something I could take advantage of. Um, one of the issues would be even if they did bring it back and one of the reasons why they have not, but if they did, um, the problem is just like you said, a lot of the properties are run down, so they're devalued. And so even mm -hmm. if you could purchase a home for a dollar, um, if the value of the home is only like, let's say, you know, $100,000, um, a lot of people they run into trouble because they see these cheap properties here in Baltimore. And I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I can't really speak to other markets, but there's one thing that people should be careful of is that you know, they may think they're getting a deal if they're buying something for $5,000, but I guarantee you, if it's a single family home, it's at minimum probably going to cost you $100,000 to renovate it, um, mm -hmm. to make it, you know, buy the book, pulling permits, you know, make it up to code, like renovate it up to code and make it livable. Um, mm -hmm. So okay, if you can imagine if you're putting that much money in it and then the after repair values in that area are only, you know, 100K for that same type of house, you yeah. you literally are buying a, a money pit so um yeah. and that's one of the reasons why they never actually brought that program back because you know um there would be an issue with trying to get the property to appraise um so there's like a gap there um mm -hmm. that you know and they're working on 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 you know that issue in general with you know trying to get rid of some of these vacants here um, but mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation in itself. Yeah. So no, I didn't take advantage of that. What I did take advantage of um, is um, creative financing. So okay. um, my very first property that I purchased here in Baltimore, I actually um, purchased it by basically stepping into the role of someone else's mortgage. Like someone had a mortgage on a property, they were kind of done mm -hmm. with being a landlord or at least with that specific property. I don't know. Um, personally, if they're done with landlording and other properties, but with that one, they were just kind of over it. And mm -hmm. um, so, but ultimately the amount of money that was still left on 
that mortgage uh, would probably made it a little bit difficult to sell on the traditional market, the traditional MLS, because of the uh, not having a super, you know, large amount of equity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, my mentors made me aware of that property. And I don't know if they had bought um, properties themselves with that um, creative role. But once they brought it to me, I was like, say less. I will go and research and make sure mm-hmm. I figure out best practices of how to, you know, employ this particular creative strategy um, called subject two. Uh, and so uh, what happened was, is that I actually um, stepped into that role and started paying that mortgage. And actually, you mm-hmm. know, there was traditional sale, like there was a title search and everything, took it to the title company, purchase and sell agreement, um, you know, closed on the property, the deed of the property is in my name or well, my business entity's name. And, um, but the debt is still in that seller's name to this day. Um, but wow. every month, you know, I pay that mortgage um, mm-hmm. and the amount of money that I owe on the mortgage, you know, the PITI is less than, um, you know, how much rent I get in. So, that, you know, it cash flows because I already know I could hear people's wheels turning like virtually mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. their brain. Like, girl, wh- why would anybody sell you that property like that? Or why would you, why also would you buy a property that don't have any equity? Um, mm-hmm. And the reason the reason why is because it cash flows. It may not have yeah. equity, but it cash flows. And I'm more so of a cash flow investor than an equity investor. Um, usually I right. have both, but but my main focus is cash flow. Right. Wow. See. Um, this is more high level. If you if you do to, to real estate, um, this is again something like um, like Daya said is to go in and research and read and read and read and and I've been doing that as well. So I'm aware of what it is that you've actually done. Um, but can you break down a, cu- a few of those terms that you use as far as uh, the creative finance, what that means, and then also the subject to what that means? Can you break that down a little bit for our listeners? Sure. Um, in general. Um the way I look at it um, with creative financing, I consider it um, anything that is non-traditional financing, non-traditional, um, you know, like not going to a traditional bank, like a big bank, like a Wells Fargo or Bank of America, and as well as, you know, still traditional smaller banks, like a community bank or credit union, not going to one of those, but um, really focusing on creative ways to purchase the property, um, mm-hmm. more specifically going um, directly to seller. Um, there are instances where you can make the seller the bank, um, for lack of a better term, and just pay them monthly directly, just pay them in installments over time, um, mm-hmm. paying them the mortgage, um, and you can purchase property that way. But obviously that would work better if they don't have you know debt on the property themselves. But if someone does have debt on the property, um, their creative strategy would be going and stepping into the role of that debt um, and actually, you know, um, buying the property, putting it in your your name or your business's name. Um, but mm-hmm. that debt actually stays in that person's name. And that particular strategy is called subject to. And the reason why it's called that is because you are buying the property subject to the existing mortgage on the property, you're buying that property also subject to the existing liens or encumbrances on that property. So, you know, there's more than just mortgages that can be on the property. Um, There's multiple encumbrances. It could be a lien on the property, um, a mechanics lien, you know, tax lien, some type of citation, Um, but Mm -hmm. you're um, agreeing in the purchase and sell agreement that you are buying it um, subject to those encumbrances. Um, And so, 
I just want to say here, um, <laughs> because I keep saying that I'm stepping into the role. So um, people who do a little bit of research, I don't want you to get confused if you haven't done deep seated thorough research or if you're not working with a mentor like me, but um, I don't want you to get confused if you've seen the, the term assumption, because hmm. um, a lot of people do. It's not assuming a mortgage. This is not an assumption subject to um, with assumption, you actually still have to qualify for that loan. So you will have to um, show uh, your credit worthiness. Um, you actually have to qualify and show your financials to qualify for the loan for you to assume someone else's um, loan that they have in place mm -hmm. with subject to you are not, you know, showing really any of your financials, who, you know, that person, that seller that's selling it to you, they qualify for the loan whenever they did. And now they have this particular rate and term and you are just stepping into that rate and term, um, but not mm -hmm. actually on paper. Your, your name is not going on that debt on paper. I literally um, just practically, just to give you a practice that I literally just log into their mortgage account and pay it from my accounts. It's an actual sale. This is not something that's illegal. This is an actual thing. Like literally it's on the HUD one statement. Like it might be like line 305 or something. I don't know, don't get me to make it up <laughs> the number, but it's on mm -hmm. one of those line items buying property subject to. So it's a real thing. Um, so I, you know, the, the, the deed is actually in my name. Um, so I don't want people to get confused either. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I know that also too, that also can go along with the term owner financing, correct? Yes. So for me okay. now, again, I, I like to use that term in a general term, but there are some people who get you know, kind of into the semantics and spe specific, but yeah, in my mm -hmm. opinion, I agree. It is a type of owner financing or seller financing because you are using the financing that's already in place from that seller or from that owner. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so more people who are more purists in the definition, they would consider um, the other strategy that I mentioned um, as the only type of seller financing where you literally mm -hmm. are having the seller finance it to you. You're literally um, telling the seller, hey, I will pay you every month for this property until we pay it off, uh, whatever term period that we agree upon. So um, kind of purist when it comes to that definition, that's the only seller financing that they consider seller financing. But in general, mm -hmm. I see seller financing or owner financing as an umbrella term um, where I am buying a property either already using the seller's already financing that's already in place, or I am you know, taking advantage of the seller giving me financing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And that, again, that also all falls within the, the creative spells, uh, creative financing aspect of it all, because again, you can get as creative as you want to um, when it comes to buying and selling real estate. And a lot of people do not know that they think it's straightforward to, uh, of what yeah. they see, you know, um, being pushed out, um, you know, a mainstream as far as the banks giving you a loan, you take that loan and then you go buy your house. But there are other right. ways to do it. So, so many other I ways. Love, yeah, I love how you um, actually broke that down and um, are again teaching that in your mentorship. So let's yeah, segue yeah. into that a little bit. Can you talk about you know um, now you've got your property, you uh, not just this one property, but you know of course you you've got yeah, the experience, yeah. and so you've had mentors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. I, 
sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, yeah, um, it takes practice because it is kind of like a higher level thing. And that's why I always love to like employ those strategies. So I've purchased several with seller financing and a couple mm -hmm. with the subject too. So um, absolutely yes. is something that, you know, I try to employ multiple times because there's different, different little nuances um, that if you just mm -hmm. do it one off, you definitely can get yourself in a tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, if you do it one time and then you try to, sometimes I've heard stories where people try to replicate it. And again, it's it's no two um, processes are the same, no matter how you, you deal with it. It's always a little bit, maybe a little bit something different, but again, that, that foundation is still there. But um, can you also go into, you know, you, you have your properties now. And, and again, like, like I stated before, you had a mentor and now you decided that, hey, I want yeah. to actually um, teach this to other, to other women. Can you talk about um, yeah. what sparked that? And of course, where you are today with that? Yeah, I was blessed to have uh, great mentors um, and particularly one being a black woman. Um, so one, I already knew the importance of mentorship and like direct guidance. Um, but also, like I said, I, I was trained as an adult educator. So I just know that kind of like hands-on approach works great for this type of, um, I guess, kind of field of learning. Like whenever you're doing real estate investing, you really need somebody kind of mm -hmm. just to have hands-on, like, you know, guidance to kind of guide you through that process. Um, and I also like, you know, I'm no guru. I don't have like a hundred units. Um, and I think people relate to me better that way because you know i'm not so far past that you know their level um whether they are beginner mm -hmm. or whether they're kind of like intermediate and they already have a couple properties i'm not so far you know removed from that whereas like i have like 500 units or something and then they don't feel like yeah. they can relate to me so i feel like that it's one of the strengths of um how i relate well to um people who are trying to get started especially black women trying to get started in investing but what happened was is probably around um, 2019, 2020, um, yeah, more so 2020, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. By that time, I had probably made at least four um, creative financing purchases of property. And so I always talk about it because it just it was amazing to me. It was just, mm -hmm. I was like, this is the best thing ever. I didn't have to go and qualify mm -hmm. for a loan. I didn't have to go to a traditional bank and ask a white male for money. Like, this is great. <laughs> you know, even though right. I'm a physician and I can qualify for those loans, it's just, you know, being able to, you know, move quickly, um, freely and have flexibility when you're purchasing. It just felt great. Mm -hmm. So I would always talk about it. And people just like kept wanting to pick my brain, pick my brain, pick my brain. I'm like, mm -hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> I, you know, work a full on job. Like, literally in the emergency department trying to save people's lives um and then i'm teaching you know medical students and residents because i work at a teaching hospital um so mm -hmm. i have already have like two jobs in one and i um by that time i was managing my own properties um wow. and then by that time and i already was doing larger renovations so i would be you know almost like project managing my own renovation so it's like okay i don't have time you know to let people to keep picking my brain so i just kind of fell mm -hmm. into on accident like consulting so um, late 2020 is when I started doing like strategy and, and, and consulting calls with people who want, most of them wanted to be like, okay, how do I pitch this um, creative financing deal to this seller? Like, what do I do? How do I approach it? How do I pick out a deal that is appropriate to pitch, you know, creative financing for? And so I would, you know, um, get on calls with people and help them with that. And some of, and sometimes it would just be general, like, um, where do I start with investing? But for the most part, mm -hmm. people reached out to me um, 
for that kind of specifics on how do I pitch this creative financing or how do I set up the terms? What terms do I offer? How, you know, I don't, I don't know where to start. Um, around mm-hmm. that same time, I also um, will be in a lot of different communities and Facebook groups um, of physicians like me. Uh, some groups would be for Black women physicians and we just talk about everything. Um, and then when I'd be looking for real estate groups, I didn't see any that were specifically for black physicians and somebody was like, well, do we have a group just for black women in real estate mm-hmm. that are doctors and no one answered in the comments. So it was so crazy. Cause I had been thinking, well, I want to say space to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily at that time, I kind of started talking about it more with my coworkers, but that was very new for me before. When I first started, I was kind of shy to like share, like, you know, I'm using my job as my biggest investor. I didn't kind of didn't want to like talk about that with everyone at my job. So it was like, I want to save space to talk about it with other doctors that look like me, but um, you know, I kind of want to just keep it private. And so I created a community called sister docs and REI. Now we have like 700 people, um, black female doctors and his pharmacists in there. But at that time it just started off like wanting a safe space. So I did the Mm -hmm. consulting, started the consulting at that time, late 2020, as well as my uh, Facebook community where I do like an internal podcast in there. Cause again, some of the ladies in there, they don't have a big social media persona. They don't necessarily want the people around them knowing, you know, what they're doing in real estate and creating assets. So I have like a yeah, private yeah. kind of podcast in there. And mm-hmm. so I did that all up until the end of this past year. Um, and at the same time, as I was transitioning into this year, I knew I had already put in my resignation, knew I was leaving my job. And so now my focus, now that I have the time, because mm-hmm. I'm not working clinically, is I'm building my clientele for my mentorship, where it's a six-month program, where I'm literally doing like a white glove service, like hand-holding one uh, meeting with uh, ladies, helping them to create an individualized strategy. It's not a cookie cutter thing. It's not a course that you can just log in mm-hmm. and go at your own pace. It's meeting with mm-hmm. these one scene if we're a good fit. It's not for everybody, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I'm a lot to deal yeah. with. <laughs> and you have to be ready to take action. You have to be yeah, ready to take yeah. action. Um, yeah, so, that mental aspect is important. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then seeing if we're a good fit and then helping you decide, hey, um, based off your goals, based off your current resources, this is probably the best strategy for you. Let me help you walk through this strategy over the six month period um, with mm-hmm. the goal of getting you under contract within that time. So this is all new, um, something that I just started offering. So I'm really excited about building my clientele for that. Yes, wow, that's amazing. So is it only, um, currently you said physicians, um, are you just going to stick with that, you know, mm. sector, or all, are you going to branch out? No, all black women, all black women. Okay. Yeah, I've already okay. um, had sales calls with so many women of black women of uh, multiple professions. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I have what's in my hand there. You know, I have a community already of uh, black women doctors. So, you know, of course, they're going to come to me. Um, but the, yeah. the people that I work with in the past, just from consults, they they aren't just physicians. They're um, black women. I actually have worked in consults with some men too. Uh, but mostly Mm -hmm. Black women uh, when I was doing just the consulting. Um, So obviously, I I literally just have a passion for people who are like me, um, and Mm -hmm. I relate well to um, doctors, but I also do in general just know what it's like being a Black woman, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you um, are still an employed professional or both. Um, Mm -hmm. I just know the different concerns, like you're worried about access to capital, you're worried about like, oh my God, where do I find properties? Like the market is, you know, especially during that period of 2020, when 
properties were going left and right and you know they were they were selling yeah. gloves with no appraisals it was just crazy it was the wild wild west but at that time it's so crazy yes. at the time people were freaking out like how do i even buy a property i want to buy something the interest rates are low and they couldn't find it yeah i bought three properties mm -hmm. that because i knew how wow. to look off market and i knew mm -hmm. how to mm -hmm. use creative like two of the three that i bought i used creative financing yeah wow yeah. So, awesome. so yeah, so this is something that I have open to all black women. Um, mm -hmm. So this is not just for physicians. I just still have my separate community that I, you know, still mm -hmm. and actually have more time to give them support and do my show within that community. Yeah. That's for um, black yeah. women doctors, but my mentorship um, is, you know, for all black women. Love it. Love it. It, it. As you're talking and me, I'm just thinking about, again, you sharing your story in the beginning. I, I really feel like it's all come full circle, um, you know, yeah, yeah. With you, for you like now. And, and you're actually, of course, um, continuing that legacy. And so I actually want to um, ask you um, a question um, that I asked, try to ask all of my guests. This is something I started this year as well is, um, what does legacy mean to you? So if I can mm. ask you that question, what does legacy mean to you? Yeah. Um, le Ooh, that's a very good question. So for mm -hmm. me, I think <laughs> legacy means um, building freedom for yourself, mm -hmm. um, building family memories, um, passing down um, the strengths of your family, but not passing down the weaknesses or the trials that the previous generations had to go through, making mm -hmm. sure that each generation um, is, is easier for them to build compared to that previous generation. That's what legacy means to me. And it's so funny that, you know, I feel like we are like connected because your, your business and your brand is a legacy builder. Um, mm -hmm. And then my brand is Capital Dynasty and I, I call my followers Dynasty Builders. Nice. So I feel like it's in that same, it. same vein. I consider myself someone who, you know, again, like I learned a lot from my, my great grandmother. Um, mm -hmm. And I also had a lot of support and still do from my family members. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to be honest, to be frank, I'm the first kind of person you know, first doctor in my family, um, the first person to kind of venture out in some like this crazy entrepreneurship. <laughs> they, they, yeah. I'm sure my family thinks I'm a little bit crazy. They're like, girl, you're taking it big chances that one, here. It, 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 um, that one to actually make a difference. But I know though. that God put me here to be that polarizing kind of generation for my family. Like mm -hmm. I literally think so big, like I see myself like in my future generations having a family office, like where we have so many assets that we literally have people that we hire to manage our assets. Like that's how big I think. And I think so oh, I big that um, when I became enlightened, because again, you, when you're so focused, you're so focused mm -hmm. on education and, you know, finishing high school, finishing college. Okay. I got to take these tests. I got to you know get to medical school. You're so like laser focused on that thing that you kind of mm -hmm. miss the forest for the trees. But once I had that kind of enlightened period, when I was like, Oh, I fell on the timesheet. Um, it really hit me that mm -hmm. I really need to learn about asset building. And once I had this period, I went through this period of enlightenment. I think a lot of people in this country did during this kind of black wealth mm -hmm. renaissance period, mm -hmm. this period of enlightenment. And I learned that there's ways that I can make money without having to get up and clock in and expose myself to like dangerous, you know, infectious 
particles and all these things. Um, yeah. Although I, I, I love taking care of patients, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. the ability to make money this way with business and, and real estate and providing homes for people and providing a safe place for traveling professionals, all these things. Like once I had that enlightenment, I learned that I'm like, I have to share this with other people so that mm -hmm. they can have choices and they can build legacies, dynasties for their own family. So that that's yes. like, that's my why. Love it. I love that. All of that, what you just said. And, um, so funny, like I say that I've asked this question to um, some of the other guests that I've had on the podcast. And I just say, even though all of the um, answers are still kind of different, the way they're delivered, they all kind of come back into the same um, as far as what legacy means to to everybody. And so I, your perspective, as far as you saying, um, you know, um, taking the the things that you've learned, the good things that you've learned. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, using that to help fuel the future and help fuel for, you know, your family. I think that that's amazing. I really do. Yeah. So it's so important to me. It's because like, yeah. you know, um, my, you know, I don't regret being a physician. I love being a physician. I love taking care of patients, but if I could mm -hmm. go back in time, I would have invested earlier because it's mm -hmm. one it feels different when you're, you're when you're working because you want to, not because you want to and have to, right? Yeah. Um, so I definitely don't regret anything I've done, but because I was so focused, there was a lot of time that I missed where I could have been, you know, in, investing earlier, and mm. um, and I don't fault my family for that. They, you know, they were like, you know, go to school, get a job. That's what previous generations tell us. Like, you know, a lot of previous yeah. generations, especially in the black community, they don't push entrepreneurship, yeah. but they're doing mm -hmm. the best they can. And they, you know, telling us as as best as they know, right? Um, right. But now that I have, you know, this kind of other toolbox, um, I feel like it's like my duty to share this with so many people, um, especially who came from families like me or people who are wearing the golden handcuffs like I was wearing, mm -hmm. because that's another thing that I feel like I relate to so many black women professionals, because even if you're not a physician, you know, you're just making good, comfortable earned income or maybe good, comfortable entrepreneurial income, you get yeah. kind of lackadaisical. You're like, okay, I have this income coming in. And then you, all of a sudden you turn around and you hit a wall. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. I'm burnt out. But if you stop what you're doing, you have no other options because you've only mm -hmm. had that earned income. But once- right. Um, you realize that you can create other income coming in. It just gives you time, that time freedom, you know, just buying those hours away from having to work. And so that's like my goal is to indoctrinate everybody just to, you know, create that time freedom for themselves by, you know, buying and building assets. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I don't want to, of course, keep up too much of your time because I know it's getting late and you're busy, busy. Um, but <laughs> can you tell our listeners um, where they can reach out to you? So where can they connect with you further if they want to learn more about your mentorship program um, mm -hmm. and also any of the other programs that you may have coming up in the future? Yeah, so... Um... Right now, uh, again, like I said, I don't do the consulting anymore. Like about every quarter I will, and I'm actually coming up now, I'm about to offer a few VIP days where I will offer consulting only temporarily for like three days now as okay. I'm ending this quarter. And so you can um, access that by reaching out to me. One, just follow me on Instagram. That's like my main site. Um, mm -hmm. From a business standpoint, reach out to me um, and follow me at Capital Dynasty. And... Okay. Um, 
you know, I literally respond to my DMs during business hours. And um, specifically for the mentor mentorship, though, um, they can uh, book a consultation with me. Because again, it's, I don't accept everybody. It's just I'm not out here just to get everybody's money. You have to be a good fit. And right. it is a white glove service. So I only do a small amount of people at one time. Mm -hmm. um, so that is at uh, drdaia.com, D-R-D-A-A-I-Y-A-H dot com um, specifically for the mentor mentorship but um just for my business in general capital dynasty uh, with my investing and my wealth building brand that is at capital dynasty on instagram and then my website is on there um, i have merch on there um i have um, some access to like my furnished rentals like if people are in my area and they wanted to rent something all i have links to that on there um, I just launched a location rental so people can rent out um, one of my residential spaces, but for um, small groups or productions, things like that. So the link to that is on there. Um, there I do um, have um, a collaboration that I did with another entrepreneur. Uh, we have an intro to real estate investing webinar on, on my site. So there's, you know, different resources on the Capital Dynasties website, which you can um, link to on my Instagram at Capital Dynasty, but specifically for the mentorship, D-R-D-A-A-I-Y-A-H.com. Love it. Wow. That's so much information. You were just mentioning so many things that I want to <laughs> delve into more, but we're going to have to bring you back <laughs> so we can talk about it more. Um, because uh, like you said, just starting from that one property and then the creative financing, and then, you know, you're moving along and then there's more opportunities, of course, and, you know, learning about more opportunities along the way. Um, you took, of course, obviously took advantage of those. So um, I would love to, of course, bring you back so that we can talk about those other opportunities and, and how you, how you, um, you know, again, just building your dynasty. So, <laughs> so yes, yes, definitely. So yes, thank you yes. so much. Um, I really appreciate this thank talk you. that we had today. We're excited to, of course, share, you know, more about your story. And I just, again, just the, the just the whole full circle moment um, that just makes me, I'm in awe. I'm in awe. And it's, again, just having a bigger purpose and, and stepping into mm -hmm. your purpose. That's another thing that, you know, yeah. um, we want to definitely uh, push here on the podcast yes. as well. Having you know, yes, that's what I love about your platform. Yeah, I, I love yeah. it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Thank you. yeah, so definitely Thank have you. to have something to bring you back. And I really appreciate you taking the time out to chat with us. So um, uh, again, you can make sure that you check out uh, Dr. Excuse me, Dr. Deia, and also the Capital Dynasty. I was about to say the Capital Dynasty first, but anyway, um, you can check her out. Make sure you follow her, um, and also make sure that you, you know, again, like we talked about before, research, study, um, and then of course do that mental preparation so that if this is something that you want to do, um, make sure that you're pr um, prepared to do so and prepared to take action because, like she said, she doesn't work with just everybody, and you better be ready to work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So thank yeah. you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe from whichever platform you are streaming this from. And please also check out the website at www.legacy.co. That is www.legacy.co.